This is Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. Hello and welcome to the show. This week we hear from some of the big winners at the Broadcast Awards. Stand by for Jay Hunt, Rob Delaney and the Have I Got News For You boys. Uh, Also on the programme we get under the skin of the fortnight's biggest headlines, including Richard Klein's abrupt departure from ITV. And finally, a tech-fuelled preview section. Get the verdict on ITV's It's Not Rocket Science and Airmageddon on CBBC. That's all coming up on Talking TV from Broadcast. At Talking TV Towers this week, uh, broadcast web editor Alex Farber and a welcome return for Stephen D. Wright. Yeah. Morning. Uh, so we are recording the day after the broadcast awards. How are you feeling, Alex Farber? I feel all right, Jake. I was running a little bit late, but um, it was a really good event last night. Jonathan Ross clearly had done his research and um, had some very close to the bone jokes, which I thought went down well. And a worthy set of winners. Yes. Channel 4, Channel of the Year. Well, I was one of the judges. I judged the comedy this year. Which which was won by Catastrophe. Which was obviously won by Catastrophe. It had to win, basically. Did that have your vote? Are you allowed to say? Well, now I can, yeah. It had my vote. I mean, it would have been car share otherwise, I think. But um, but Catastrophe was just so good. And and so good from the minute it started. It was just, uh, it was amazing. And so that's, I mean, it was a very strong lineup. The comedy, comedy is amazingly good at the moment. The comedy category was strong. The drama category was very strong as well. Well, no one turned up from Dr. Foster because they didn't think they were going to win. They thought Wolf Hall had it in the bag and just one of the writers went on stage to collect the gong. <laughs> but we did have we did have Rob Delaney from Catastrophe, so it was nice that he was in the room, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and do we think Channel 4 is a worthy winner of Channel of the Year? Do we think it's uh, in a much better place these days? I don't know. It's a difficult one. It's like, it's not bad, but the Channel of the Year always surprises me because it's always a kind of, a, you know, really, it's a, I don't know, Channel 4 is a brilliant channel, obviously, but it's difficult to argue in the merits of that versus E4 or BBC2 or whatever, you know what I mean? They're just kind of glad BBC2 didn't win. Well, it's it. I mean, BBC2 could have won, BBC1 could have won. It's like, I find that very, it's very difficult to decide. I don't know how you judge that one. Kim Schillinglaw, former BBC2 controller, was in the room. And the word is she would have got up on stage if BBC Two had won. Well, that would have been a nice swan song. But I think Channel Four was a worthy winner. You know, I think that I think it's turned itself around a little bit over the last couple of years. And when you look at the breadth of comedy, factual, scripted uh, programming that they've got on, I just, I think it was a, a deserved winner for okay. Channel Four. Well, you can hear more. Uh, about uh, some of the winners in our midsection. Uh, so first up this week, we head over to London Television Centre, uh, where ITV's new director of TV, Kevin Ligo, has wasted no time in making his mark. Uh, first came the departure of entertainment boss Elaine Bedell. Then broadcast revealed Ligo's plans to rip up ITV's rigid commissioning structures and mix genres like factual and entertainment. Uh, finally this week, uh, broadcast again was first with the news that factual director Richard Klein is leaving as well. Stephen, care to get us started on these changes? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty obvious, uh, you know, a new broom sweeps clean and all that business. And it's a shame that Richard Klein seems to have gone with a kind of pejorative or negative kind of uh, stance, because I think everyone loves him. Everybody loves him. I mean, he's a brilliant Very popular Well, he's, he's very website. straight. This is it. He's very straight talking. Um, I think you get a brilliant idea of what he wants, whether he was the right match for ITV, because I think he's probably too good for ITV, frankly. He was brilliant at, uh, at BBC Four, so it's a shame because I thought he, I, you know, he, I, I really uh, respected him and liked him, but you know, a, a new controller always wants new people, 
who knows what's next? I mean, it's got to be improving. It's got to be a new energy, basically. You know, I mean, new. I think ITV has been stuck a little bit. I think the rigid commissioning thing is true of ITV. The schedule, I personally think, is way too rigid. I mean, they have the schedule locked in for a year at a time, and it's like, come on, you know, kick it up a little bit, you know. Um, so looking at the the stuff, the, the kind of gossip about Kevin Ligo's kind of new changes, I think he will absolutely go big on features and formats and stuff like that. I think he'll pull a lot of that stuff that he made. because He made Channel 4 very strong on that area. Um, so there's a, that certainly can be brought in to, to sort of revitalise ITV. And then the other thing is obviously drop all that kind of dreadful celebrity travelogues over and over and over again. I mean, they're great. In some of these films are individually brilliant. You know, Joanna Lumley in, in Russia was fantastic. But watching them all the time, you know, I don't want to... I don't care it does feel what, like it was a bit of a rut. Well, this is it. It, it. it felt like the old school factual of ITV that was all the sort of world in action and great documentaries had been dropped for a sort of sub-hello, look at me, I'm famous and I'm driving a, a sports car around Scotland. Who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Once in a blue moon, it's, it's variety. We need variety and that's what I think this is the... It's the spice the, of life. Well, this is it. Yeah, I oh, thought, but it's all it's all anyone wanted to talk about there was. Yeah, it was big talk. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting what Richard said in his um leaving comments regards it being difficult for factual to work on ITV. And, you know, at the end of the day the ratings weren't lying and they were struggling to pull in audiences. Speaking to what, uh, what Stephen says, some of the more interesting um, ideas they were having, perhaps sugar-free farm, you know, when they're trying to mix mix genres up a little bit and format things a little bit more, that seemed to have some success. So perhaps there's the, uh, there is viewers out there for ITV and Factual, um, but I do think it's about ordering the right kind of shows for that channel. Makes Alison Sharman's record look quite good. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> the Charminator. The Charminator. Uh, and yeah, if you if you put together Ant and Deck and the and the Prince of Wales, you but get I mean, ratings. But, is, but, I mean, is, is, it, is talking, it rocket science? The thing is, is are we only That's talking? Later, Jake. Are we only talking about <laughs> ratings, or are we talking about quality? I mean, the thing about ITV used to be a different channel. It used to be quite high minded. Sometimes it used to be quite campaigning, um, an intelligent tabloid. ITV used to be brilliant. And then it sort of about, well, I'd say more like 10 years ago, went very sort of cheap and, and rubbishy. And I think ever since then, they've been trying to make it better. And, and, and Peter Fincham has made quite a few improvements. But I don't think ITV, the commissioning team or whatever, it believes in itself like the old ITV team used to. And I'm talking 10 years ago. It, it used to be a great channel like the BBC. And then it became a bit sort of like a sort of cheap digital channel for a while. And it's like, so there's a, there's a there's, I mean, that's what I'm saying, everything to play for. ITV, you know, when you, whenever they show some of their kind of back catalogue, you're shocked at how good their stuff was. The dramas, the investigative documentaries, the, you know, they had stuff with John Pilger and things like that. Stuff that Channel 4 would kill themselves for right now. And ITV used to do that all the time. So I think that Liger will bring it up because I think he's got the right instincts, absolutely. And everyone loves him in the in the the TV industry. Interesting times. Uh, also at RTV this fortnight, a hoo-ha over the X Factor. Uh, the Mail reported it would be rested in 2017, but the story was strenuously denied by Psycho and ITV. Uh, the latter said it fully intends to recommission the show uh, into next year. Only a Psycho would want to see like, <laughs> X Factor back on. I mean, really? a little pun? little pun there, but <laughs> with a lot of detail. I mean, that's, see, this to me is exactly the sort of thing that LIGO should be doing. Brave enough to say, rest it. But it doesn't, it, it doesn't sound like they're going to do that. 
Oh, it, to me, unless sounds, Simon Cowell is not prepared to take a pay cut, <sighs> the words "fully intend" are. It just—it's oh, so disappointing because it does need to be rested. The X Factor is a great show, but it has not been great TV for a good three or four years. You know, Britain's Got Talent is a totally different ball game. Britain's Got Talent, it, you know, is is fine. It doesn't feel like it's overdone. It, you know, we don't really care whether the winners have a chart hit or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the X Factor is so overblown and so dominant, and it's become become an, an annoyance so it should absolutely be rested for a year but it's still too valuable no well particularly i think if they're if they're bringing in the voice i do think they have that opportunity to to look at it reinvent it take us take a step back where could you play the voice and x factor i think there's you know, a unless risk one's going, at spring and the other one's in the autumn i think that's probably what they'll you know. do but isn't that not a risk of overkill i don't know it um, already feels like overkill with X Factor. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Already, when the X Factor starts, you're like, oh. And that, the, well, it's not just the. Honestly, right at the start of the series. Well, exactly. Oh, here we go. Again. It's like the same old shite you, you hear about Cheryl and this. Because and, it's, it's the media machine that feeds it as well. So it's in the papers every day. That's one of the reasons it feels so over the top. Whereas Britain's Got Talent, which is essentially the same show, doesn't have that overkill feel. And has a lot of variety, whereas the X Factor is sob story, but you know, boy band sob story, so you know, and da 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 da. Yeah, Mr. Ligo's got some some big decisions to make. Uh, for now, though, we'll head over to Channel Four after a difficult week for Two Four's winter sports competition, The Jump. Uh, Channel Four ordered a safety review of the contest after four celebrities picked up worrying injuries, uh, the most serious of which was Beth Tweddle, who required surgery on a broken back, which is <laughs> back. Uh, which you've not been reading the paper. Well, yeah, I, she, 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 I didn't know she broke her back. Hey, it's really serious with Beth. Um, but uh, I mean, an, an Olympian, you know, potentially paralysed by a Channel Four. Davina McCall described it on the show on Sunday as routine surgery. Now, I thought that was slightly yeah. disingenuous, I mean, but uh, I don't know. It makes me feel a little bit sick because part of me wants to see these celebrities being damaged and injured on screen. <laughs> Which is what we tune in for. I yeah, mean, but why? that's because you're heartless. Steven. I'm heartless. However, <laughs> everyone, turns, audiences are heartless. You know, but every time I read about it, it's just awful. This drip, drip effect. It's very, very, very uh, pernicious. This sort of the P, the bad PR about the show. And I think what's make it worse is that they're only running it week, weekly now. When it was a one week thing, you could, you know, a, 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 a sort of a strip show. It was like we we're into it and we were going to watch it, and you know, it's all. Mm. But now it feels like we're torturing these celebs out there <laughs> because each week another one falls, and you're like, oh god, it, it's a weird feeling because it's not, it's not a pleasant feeling to see to hear about great athletic stars becoming properly injured. It's not, no. As uh, Caroline Davis, the exec producer, said to me while I was out in Austria a couple of weeks ago, she said, uh, viewers like to see. People fall over, but they also like to see them get back up again. Exactly. And we're not getting much of the latter at the moment. No, I mean, I, I feel sorry for the producers because, you know, the, the, you, 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 it might read like they're being bloodthirsty and putting, you know, pe you know, Vaseline on the skis so they slip over and everything. N nothing like that. They want it to be as safe as possible. And so they'll be tearing their hair out at this constant sort of array of stars falling over because it ruins the show as well. You can't suddenly put in somebody. It's, there's no easy fix to this. And it does start to make the show look like sort of it fragments the competition. Well, it just yeah. it, it, it really affects the programme. Well, what will be um, interesting to see, well, whether they're brave enough to recommission it for a fourth series after this. Uh, on an indoor are. ski. They ski are. Ski. Channel 4, well, Channel 4, they're, well, they're not saying they're recommissioning it, but they are. They fully intend to. They're adapting, much like ITV <laughs> and the X Factor. No, but they're adapting some of the courses, they're saying. Putting in more crash mats and simplifying things. Hmm. 
But see, this is it because it because but it's is so. That an omi- is that an admission that things were too difficult? I think so. Um, but it's one of those things, you know. It's like we they sell these shows on the promise of kind of putting celebrities through it, and the jump is all about adrenaline and danger. So if they take the adrenaline and danger out, it's what it's a Blue Peter version. Then it's like, well, actually, Blue Peter was much more rough and violent with their presenters um, back in the day. Uh, so it's one of those things. That it it kills the programming. Really, Channel Four should just sort of wrap it up. Yeah, you know, I because think they might come up with a new series. idea that doesn't necessarily injure an athlete every week. It's snowballed out of control. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. On that note, we'll move on to our final news item, which is our commission of the fortnight. Uh, this week, our accolade goes to Channel 5, which is returning to original comedy with Borderline, a mockumentary about border patrol agents. Uh, the six-part series is made by Ralph Little's indie Little Rock. You love a new comedy, Stephen? I love a new comedy. I love a channel being brave enough to start opening up its genres. What made and- me laugh about this show was even when Channel 5 is doing comedy, it's still about immigration. <laughs> <laughs> they can't get away from it. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not about benefits. Well, that's probably going to be, gonna be, yeah, be, they'll, they'll be the B story somewhere in, in you know. But no, I mean, it's, it's, it's Ben Frow is, is doing a good job. He's, he's making the channel a bit more hip. He's making it a little bit more varied that's all to be good i mean that's you know it's what we should celebrate and farber a rebrand this week yeah look nice very much more um in line with the viacom sort of um corporate style but clearly a lot of mess um, a lot of money had been spent um it looks like it's moved it up market it looks slicker it looks modern it looks fresh it'll be interesting to see whether that um uh, woos the viewers you can see the logos on our website. Uh, it sounds like they're trying to... Or Channel 5. Or Channel 5. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. crazily. <laughs> uh, it sounds like they're going to try... Uh, well, they are trying to target a younger audience, aren't they? Well, they've had some success. I think Lip Sync Battle has been a real, you know, a hit for them. And I think that um, with 10,000 BC coming back, Celebrity Big Brother's had a, 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 another steady, strong year. You know, they've got some returning formats in there that I think they've got a good platform to build from. They love a young demographic. <laughs> they that's do. The thing. If you can, that's if you can get money. onto that, 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 that was Channel 4's secret all these years. Get the young in, get them watching, and then it's like, whoosh, everyone follows. So if Channel 5 can pull that trick off, then they've cracked it. Okay. Those are your headlines for this episode. Thanks to Stephen and Alex. Uh, Time now to head over to the Grosvenor Hotel, where I caught up with some of the big winners at this year's Broadcast Awards. Uh, Hosted by Jonathan Ross, Channel 4 walked away with Channel of the Year, while Tiger Aspect was named Indie of the Year. Uh, Have I Got News For You received a special gong for 25 years of service. And here's Rob Delaney after picking up Best Comedy for Channel 4's Catastrophe. I'm Rob Delaney and I, I write it and I'm in it with Sharon Horgan. I'm Jack. I have the joy of producing Catastrophe. Ben Taylor, director. Are you guys probably going to win a heap of awards this year, I reckon? What, why do you reckon that uh, Catastrophe struck a chord? I don't know. I mean, we just put our best foot forward and tried to tell the best, most honest story we could about what we know about. <laughs> Which is? You know, kids and marriage and, and how hard all that stuff is. And, I mean, you turned around two series in a year. I mean, that's quite a feat. 
really was. Yeah, but it's testament to Sharon and Rob that they can turn around scripts that quickly of this quality, to be honest with you. I'm not sure that there's this many people that could achieve that and it sustain its quality. So it's hats off to them too, really. It felt like the, the second series was stronger. Did you did you guys feel the same? Uh, no, it's really lovely to hear. No, we, we were terrified of that. I think coming off the back of the first series, we were very proud of and was and was really loved. Were you worried about that, Rob, the, the second well, album syndrome? Time, I think. Uh, no, I certainly was. I absolutely was, you know, because we had no idea the first series would have hit like it did, so you don't want to disappoint people. And what's the future for the show? Are you going to do some more this year? Uh, I'm trying to figure that out right now. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out some schedule stuff, so... Uh, yeah. I think you're going to be quite unpopular if you say no. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're working it out. And obviously Channel 4 has backed you in a big way. They've been amazing. Channel 4 has just been remarkable. Really wonderful network and a wonderful comedy team there, yeah. What would you say? I mean, Channel 4, obviously, is future a bit under threat. Tory government might be privatizing it. Do you have a view on that? Yeah, stay the fuck away from it. I moved here from the United States at age 38, and I've never seen anything like Channel 4 in my life. Get your filthy hands off of it. Let it do what it does, which is make amazing television. Sophie Clark's your voice. Managing Director of Tiger Aspect, congratulations. Thank you very much. Absolutely delighted with this award. It's really fantastic. And the breadth and quality of your work is so impressive. How do you spin so many plates? Well, I think we are quite unusual and we have so many different departments, but what is really great is that all departments work together. So we are able to kind of create these slight hybrid programs like Murder and Successful, like sort of drunk history. We do sort of docudramas, a lot of kind of mixing up the genres a bit. So yeah. Is that the best part of the job? Breaking those boundaries? I love it. I love just being, having a finger in every department, doing a bit of meddling. Uh, so, I'm with Ian Hislop, Paul Merton and Jimmy Mulville. Hello. 25 years, what's the secret? Oh, well, staying alive. And uh, yeah, well, I think that the great thing is that there's the news constantly refreshing itself and is also reassuringly the same. So in fact, you watch the series back to back, you'll see them make the same jokes year in, year out, just with different people in it. About different governments. Yeah, well, I mean, when we started, there was a Tory government having a real problem about Europe and today it's exactly the same so uh, we just do it again. How has the BBC supported you over those 25 years? I actually think that we've, they're an organisation with whom you can have a really good row and actually to be honest they, they let us more or less get on with it. I mean as long as we don't break the law and nobody wants to break the law on the show but we do like to push the envelope so I think they, they're the only broadcaster that could really give us the freedom that we needed. Can you tell us the story of the pilot that you told on stage? No, well, it's true that, that, that Alan looked at the pilot and, and he looked at me and thought, I don't know how you made this show. It was just impossibly bad. These two, Ian and Paul, were the only good things on it. We scrapped everything and Alan said, OK, I'll back you. And he gave us a series of like, eight episodes. It was a very hot day. It was a Sunday <laughs> afternoon and people didn't really want to be there. And so that, you know, for, for, they didn't know what the show was. Nobody knew what the show was at that point. And yeah, it was at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and everybody was thinking, I wish I was outside. But they will. Except us. Yes. By the end of even the pilot, I'd thought there's a bit of that that works. Uh, not a lot of it, not, and certainly not a few of the audience, but for us, there was enough to go on. But seriously, the point is that you make a pilot that bad and then you put good producers on it and you work and work and work on it. Actually, it, the pilot is very instructive because it tells you what doesn't work. And that's actually a very important part of the process. And I think that 
to make a serious point, that doesn't happen a lot these days. So I don't know how many other good shows have just fallen by the wayside because they've been killed off at the pilot stage. You're never going to get it right exactly the first time unless you're doing something very unambitious. Have you guys got a personal highlight from the time you've been on air? The last series, there was a wonderful moment. I've never seen a panel show do it where uh, the question was about um, a boxer who'd made a series of appalling remarks and the question came up, what, what was the content of the remarks? And Paul said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to help out. Next question. And it was the first time I'd seen a panel show just saying, no, we don't do any of that. Next, out. Was that a certain Tyson Fury? It was indeed Mr Fury. But it was just a good moment where you thought, we, we've been going long enough to say, we don't have to do this. We'll do something else. How about you, Paul? William Shatner suddenly coming off script as the host and declaring that Ilfra Coombe was riddled with prostitution. <laughs> this led to... This led to a Twitter exchange between William Shatner and the head of the Ilfracombe Tourist Board. I'd like to make it very clear that Ilfracombe is not riddled with prostitution. It's a great place to go for a holiday, particularly if you're a prostitute who doesn't want to work. I'm here with Pete Balker and Neil Baldwin, winners of uh, Best Single Drama Marvellous. You've been mopping up, haven't you? Thank you. This is another notch on the bedpost. Yeah, (laughs) this is wonderful. This is a real bonus at the end of a really lovely year, but... Neil and I came tonight and we just said, you know, the category is so strong, you know, anything could win on those. And so it's, 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 this is lovely. I've been nominated five times for broadcast, never won. Well, congratulations. Neil, what's it been like to be a part of all of this? It's been great all together. It's been a wonderful life. And I thank Pete and all the team who did it. And Toby? Toby. Uh, have you remained friends? I think we are. <laughs> because I said to him when we did the film, can I come your wedding? He says no. <laughs> so, but good luck to everybody. Why, why do you think the drama's struck a chord? Well, I think two things. I think one, it, it's an, a, an optimistic film about people being nice to each other, and that's quite hard to pull off. But I also think it's quite... The support Neil got is quite rough and ready, you know. It's not, it's not kind of sweet. It's just, you know, the community supporting them in a way that suited them and the way that suited Neil. So I think there's two things going on there. I think it's very sweet and optimistic on the one hand, but quite rough edge on the other. And I think people can relate to that. Obviously, Chara Neil is ongoing. Yeah. Do you do you have a view? Do you are you worried about what the government plans for the BBC? I'm incredibly worried because I think the government has an agenda and that agenda is to attack the BBC both for political and commercial reasons that's what I honestly think for me I'd put the license fee up that's what I would do that would protect broadcasting across the board not just for the BBC so go Jay Hunt <laughs> and Ralph Lane you're not going to say anything there Ralph uh, no no I would no what does this mean guys it's amazing, it's incredible to get that recognition of the year we've had and I know it's going to be a huge amount of everyone at four but it's a huge thank you to everyone who's done amazing work for us over the past 12 months we couldn't be more grateful to all of them A clean sweep in the factual categories What's that down to? Uh, an amazing team working with brilliant, brilliant producers out there who we love and there's so many of them here tonight that didn't win as well and I wish they all had because there, there were loads and loads of nominees tonight that really deserve to some of these projects must have been very tough to get to screen as well. So is there a reward for that work? That's the best thing about what we do, is get difficult things to screen. That's the hard thing, but it's also the most rewarding thing about what we do. So it's really nice that so many of them got rewarded tonight. And Jay, it's probably fair to say that not everything went your way in the first couple of years. What transformed that for you? What turned the ship? 
think, you know, as really honest when I walked through the door, there was a job to be done. And, you know, we had a bit of a mountain to climb and we had to start at the bottom and build up those franchises and get the big hits through the door and then begin to innovate again. And I think, you know, things like this mean a huge amount to a team that went through a great deal to get to that point. Yeah, there have been highs and there are lows, but nights like tonight are a huge vindication for that strategy. So it's very, very exciting for the whole channel, I think. Does it take one show sometimes? Could you name that show? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think it does, because I think in the end, one show doesn't transform your fortunes. It doesn't get you to the point where you're the only terrestrial channel putting on share in, in all audiences, as we did last year. It's you know, Gogglebox, first dates, but extraordinary wins tonight, like Pedophile Hunter, and to see us dominating in the docs category, but also huge win for us tonight for Catastrophe. To have Channel 4 back on top with scripted comedy is a massive win as well. And also, serious number of nominations in the drama category. So I think it's, it's every genre has up this game and has delivered some really memorable shows and that's contributed to the success. Tell us about Scripted because obviously you've had some real success last year. Yeah, and, and I, I'm thrilled for that team. It was a fundamental repositioning of the strategy. We wanted mainstream shows that would cut through but also felt innovative and spoke to a Channel 4 audience and to have you know, humans and no offence being recognised tonight in the nominations and as I say, catastrophe. And, and some of the other Channel 4's comedies, Ballot Monkeys getting recognition in the original programme category as well. Fantastic for the team, because they, they've worked really, really hard to get it to a point where we could not just deliver innovation, but also deliver audiences. So it's a huge pat on the back for them and for the amazing producers we've worked with to get them there. Uh, wins like this, important? Do they send out important messages, do you think? You know, the extraordinary thing about Channel 4 is the DNA of the organisation is so unusual, where we have to pay our own way, but we also have to take risks. And to get recognition tonight from industry peers that we're taking risks and we're delivering the shows that also deliver the audiences that pay the bills absolutely speaks to the fact that the model works. And I hope, that, of course, that that matters to other people beyond us. Should Channel 4 be privatised? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting drawn into that. I mean, I, you know, as I say, sitting at the coal face, I think we're doing a pretty good job now and there's always more that we could do. But I think it's part of the fact that we're funded in the way that we are, that we have to raise our own revenue, but also deliver to that really challenging remit is why you get real innovation. And I hope that will always continue. And that was Jay Hunt, uh, Channel 4's Chief Creative Officer. Congrats to all this year's winners. Uh, previews time now, and this week we have a distinctly sciencey feel. Uh, Stephen D. Wright and Alex Farber remain perched on the talking TV sofa, and we'll start with CBBC, which will warm us up for the return of Robot Wars with Airmageddon. Uh, during the 24-part series, children will do battle with drones inside an arena. Uh, the play on words was so good that they've done it twice. This series is made by DHX and Conceive Media. And in this clip, Phoebe and her co-pilot Hazel uh, navigate the assault course. Phoebe, though, still has the dash through gate four and the wasp to deal with. Here comes the sting. Smoke, size, but she's got the speed. Go, 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 go. One way... And the other, yes, she's over the line. That was a tremendous time. We didn't crash. No, you didn't at all, but, well, the air marshal did. We didn't crash. We That's didn't probably the crash. best bit from the whole episode. Mm -hmm. Stephen. Uh, well, if I was 10 years old, I would probably think it was the best programme in the whole world. As I'm a little bit older than that, I found it conceptually very interesting, and I thought that the, the games and the... The hype and all the rest of it was fantastic. But unfortunately, it's a little bit dull because they, the drones actually fly very, very slowly. And the footage doesn't quite match the hyperbole of the voiceover. 
because you want to see more explosions and more banging together and faster cuts, really. But, as I say, a 10-year-old will probably think it's the best thing they've ever seen. And I like the idea that um, sort of anyone seemed to be able to do it. It didn't seem to be too nerdy. It seemed to be like kids could just get, you know buy a drone or make a drone and go for it. And I think it's going to get better. I, think, I mean, I think it's a brilliant kids show. I mean, that's... I thought it well, Farber, that's why you're on the show. You've got the mind of a 10-year-old. So <laughs> talk us through it. I, enjoy, I thought it was very good. I thought the opening round was a bit slow because I didn't want to watch everyone do the course three times. And I thought they could have cut that a bit quicker. But um, after that, you know, when they started going head-to-heads and they had their battle at the end, I, I thought it was quite enjoyable. I wasn't too keen on the presenters. I liked the voice. I liked the commentary. I didn't think the presenters were great. Yeah, the male presenters seemed to be a bit annoying. A bit, a bit cheesy. Sort of... Yeah. A little bit cheesy, but but do we think that's just a minor sort of necessary point. I mean, for kids for presenters the kids. have to be up yeah. and in yeah. your face anyway? So, uh, you know, I, I, to me, this is a great kids show. I mean, I could see this; it, it's as good as Robot Wars, yeah. really. I, mean, I don't know if they make their own drones though. I thought they were provided with. Yeah, the drones. it looked like that they were the same drones that they but each had fine. with different designs. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I th- I, that's what yeah. I thought. Uh, I don't think they built their own drone, but it was a great. I thought it was great. You know, drones are very now. You know, yeah. And I thought it was a, it was a big high octane. You know, well constructed, well produced show. Yeah. I, I, I like the fact that one of the producers' robots, the 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 drone that they had, the pig, the, the was wasp. it the pig the or pig. The, was, was it not the wasp? Was the one that kept going down? It went down twice. The air marshal, yeah. I think. The air marshal. I like the fact that they kept that in. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, yeah. there was the thing is, I reckon once this is the kind of thing that if you'd had a camera on that or a camera on the drones, it would have been more exciting. And to me, this is the sort of thing. Once they've got this this through this first series, I think the second series is going to be really exciting because I think they'll 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 learn how to make it look faster and more more violent. And plus, I think if they if people will start making more drones or getting, you know, what I mean, it'll it'll become a thing. It's got potential. Uh, oh, massive potential! Yeah, it was it was Robot Wars. It was a Robot it Wars robot, in the air. Yeah. Okay, Armageddon takes flight on CBBC on the twentieth of February. Uh, finally, we flit over to ITV, which is preparing to launch uh, midweek entertainment format. It's not rocket science. Hosted by Ben Miller, Ramesh Ranganathan and Rachel Riley, the fast-paced ITV Studios show celebrates science, gadgets, technology, and innovation. Here, Ramesh goes back to school to try out some teacher tech. The double robot allows me to speak directly to the kids. And what's cool about this gadget is I can do this from anywhere with a 4G or Wi-Fi connection. Morning class, it's Mr Ranganathan here, your teacher for today. It is register time, guys. So what I need you to do is I need you to form an orderly queue, which you are doing. Exceptional work, nothing more than I'd expect from Hazelwick. Uh, And then I want you to register yourselves using the fingerprint scanner by the door. Okay? See you soon. Bye. This is quality. The kids have registered themselves automatically and then they know exactly where to sit because we put little LED tickers on their desks. It's incredible. And all the whole time, I'm just sitting having a cup of tea, mate. (laughs) Quality. I wish we had this when I was teaching. I wasn't... It was basically Top Gear meets um, Gadget Man on Tomorrow's World. And I thought it was it was very well produced. I wasn't quite sure why I was watching any of the things I was watching, but nonetheless, they were, isn't that half the fun? They were quite in, they were quite interesting. I thought there were some really good moments that didn't quite hang together. I don't know. It it well, you're right. It's a little bit bitty in parts, but the individual moments are good. Mm. I mean, you can see that they, this is the sort of stuff that will will make great viral videos the next day. Um, it's a it is a slight you know a curate's egg or whatever of of programming because. Ramesh is funnier than Ben Miller and, you know, da 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 And Rachel Riley's a bit like... It's it's a slightly odd tonal thing. 
but actually it's very watchable very watchable quite quite good fun and just a little bit of science to you know for the, i mean to me it's the slight top gearness of it mm. that annoyed me i mm. could have done with a bit more science yeah because if you're t- teaching me how to stop somebody burning alive in a you know in a visual stunt that looks amazing and i'm thinking all oh, the hair's gonna get burnt off and all stuff like that but they sort of skipped past a lot of that and you know and showed you a bit of wet bread and that was it yeah i <laughs> could have like, done with some oh i think some graphics would have been nice they could have done a bit more sort of James May style graphics when they were explaining well, we did why see the non, experiments non-final worked. non-final version, so maybe, they, maybe they're oh, going to well, Yeah, possibly. But, but it's that thing of it, it, they have got, to me, they have cracked it. It is a very watchable show. I think kids and older people are going to enjoy it. I think it was very watchable. I mean, I enjoyed watching it, but I, it, it, can, it could get better, a bit better. Do we think the chemistry was good? Ish. I mean, that's, you know, because it's that thing of Ramesh tries to get the last gag in and then the other comedian tries to get one in. But, you know, I mean, I, I particularly enjoyed the racing uh, 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 jet, which I didn't think I would. But actually, that was quite fun. And the, the, the initial bits where it showed the guy running fast in the jet was, you know, mind-blowing. That was good. And it's like, oh, so some, some of this stuff is gold, absolute gold. It's just, it's the, it's the slightly entertainment show, game for a laugh studio feel that felt a bit eggy compared to some of the VTs. Do you know what I mean? But the VTs were very well produced. They looked they looked stunning. I thought they were really well shot. It was slick. Yeah, and you feel I I I, I sort of get the sense it could settle down uh, and find these shows its, will always, find its rhythm. Yeah, I mean normally by show three these shows are sort of starting to or episode three they're starting to kind of gel and the, the presenters are no you know they're not stepping on each other's lines and all that kind of stuff. It does you know it takes time to bed in. I think this is going to be a good show, and I think it could run and run. I and really all, do. Oh, would you not? Would you not show episode three first if that's the case? It depends. It depends if it's that you know. It, it, but just you know, it, whenever you produce a show, it is a you know, unless you shoot a, a big pilot to get you know, that's the thing about a pilot. But that the, the studio felt different to the VTs, and it's just a question of matching the two, because uh, you know the studio felt a bit like it was tacked on, the audienceness of it. Whereas you didn't necessarily need an audience, and it's that thing of it. It's that thing of trying to get the Top Gear thing, and it takes about. It's all about uh, you know chemistry. Well, there you go. It's a bit of science. What was also interesting was like, it, it, <laughs> it. It didn't feel like anything else that's on ITV. That is true. Which is good. ITV, it's I mean, a bit. It's a bit different, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was watching it, and I didn't know when the, the slot was going to be, and I was thinking, is this uh, is this Saturday six o'clock? Is it Sunday six o'clock? Or but it's actually Tuesday at eight. So it's because it's got that kind of. It, it has a kind of everyman quality. It's the dreaded um, Tuesday night so on Well, ITV. if you can crack that midweek slot against you know EastEnders or, or whatever, it's you've got it, you know. And I think this will work. I think I think you, I can see people tuning in for it. I'll watch the next episode definitely. Okay, and while we're thinking about chemistry between presenters, uh, the full Top Gear lineup's been announced this week. Ooh, seven, <laughs> seven glories, the seven wonders of the world. I mean, it just made me feel a bit sick. Who are all these people? <laughs> who are they? I don't know. I mean, who is it? There's everybody. You should say it. Well, there's Eddie Jordan. You, um, you might be in it. There's that many people. Obviously, there's Matt it. LeBlanc, and they've. Uh, I'm one of the presenters. They've cast someone from YouTube. And Eddie, what's his name? There's a female. I can't remember her name. There's a one Matt, woman. Famous, famous people. <laughs> there's then, yeah. the one woman only. The token. Oh, the German. Woman. There's a, token yeah, woman. I think she's yes, called. Yes, there's a woman, and her name is Sabine Schmitz. Yeah, she's been on before. And then there's Chris Evans. That massive draw we all love. So we're all looking forward to this as much as we're looking forward to the rest of the series of It's Not Rocket Science. Is that right? I think It's Not Rocket Science will be a huge hit and I'm not sure about Top Gear. Look, I think that they've probably got to shake things up and they weren't going to be able to replicate the chemistry between Hammond, May and Clark. Seven seven people is a bit... Well, they'll probably just change the format though so it won't be like they're all sat round in the the hangar. They'll, they'll They'll just be more 
that VTs, I'm sure, will just be hosted by different people. And yeah. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. It will become less, perhaps it will become less of a personality-driven show and more about the stunts. Well, did you see that um, from Friends? Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc has just signed for a huge, big comedy in US America. Pilot, which is yeah. be, like, when is he going to be able to film? You know, this guy has not got any time. I mean, it feels a bit like it's cursed. It really does. And I don't want it to be cursed. I want it to be a hit. But this, the lineup looks unimpressive. Seven people just, oh, it's, it's, I don't know. Okay, well, we'll see how it plays out. Just to jump back, it's not rocket science. Lifts off on Tuesday, the 16th of February at 9pm on ITV. Uh, and it's time to call a wrap, I think. Thank God uh, for that. <laughs> thanks to my guest. It's the Valentine special. It is the Valentine special. Uh, there has been a lot of love in the room. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of chemistry with this trio. So thank you to you both, Stephen D. Wright and Alex Farber. Thank you. Uh, and a congratulations again to all the winners at the Broadcast Awards this week. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, when we'll have an interview with the creative force behind Channel 4 hit First Dates. Uh, but until then, I've been Jake Cantor and the producer was Matt Hill. Goodbye. You've been listening to Broadcast, talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. 